Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Trond. Trond is a Norwegian guy who is in love with the Soul series, as you'll hear throughout this episode. Um, He's kind of an interesting dude because he chose to look at the game's difficulty as a selling point as as opposed to an intimidation factor and kind of turned it to his advantage. I think you're really going to dig this one. Um, Just a quick shout out to everyone who's leaving iTunes reviews. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate it, and it helps grow the show. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, where yeah. did you? What was the first Souls game that you played? Uh, I actually started with Dark Souls Two. Okay. Uh, I got it for uh, my uh, for the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty uh, at the very beginning. Uh, I actually have a, a, a is a bit strange, but I uh, actually got it as an Easter egg present from my wife. Uh, which okay. is a, a, a different approach, I, I'm sure. Uh, I had heard about the Souls games uh, through, through other channels. I've heard a bit about, sort of just a bit talking about it. I watched the zero punctuation reviews of the games. Uh, he does have a sort of, a, his Yahtzee sort of has a, a predilection for the games. So so uh, I had heard, but I didn't really, hadn't really looked at the games. And, uh, uh, but, but you know, had an idea that oh, this might be something that's inter- <clears throat> sorry that interests me, uh, but hadn't really thought thought it properly through. Um, but my wife is awesome, uh, and we have a tradition that we sort of give each other rather ostentatious Easter eggs uh, for Easter. Okay, uh, because we know we want a, an excuse to give each other presents. Sure. Uh, so uh, uh, the, I think it was the Easter of 2014. Uh, I got uh, Dark Souls 2, sort of without ever having mentioned it for mentioned it to her or having sort of intimated that this might be cool. She just saw it and knows me well enough to know. Yeah, Tron like this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, it was uh, it was uh, now she almost regrets it. <laughs> uh, because it's sort of taken over uh, and uh, I think it's good that I got this uh, a few years after I'd finished my master's degree or I really would have been insufferable because I would have tried to implement it any way I could but uh, it was uh, it was a fantastic game and um, uh, that's sort of where I, where, where I began with it so I started playing of all things in a, in a cabin uh, in uh, sort of basically almost in the mountains of Norway that's where I started playing Dark Souls 2. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was, um, um, I, I don't, I didn't really bounce off it, uh, off it, pardon, the first time. I, um, uh, I, but I did sort of, it was an interesting experience trying to get into it because uh, uh, I, I was aware of the game's reputation for being really, really difficult. That's sort of what, what uh, even though, we all, most of us know that that's not really the the thing about the Souls games. They have this reputation, so I had an idea that all right, these are are going to be difficult, and I'm going to die. <laughs> that's sort of what we uh, what we hear, and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I pretty early had an had an uh, I, I died. Uh, I think I died sort of in the uh, starting area in the things betwixt. I died to the the hollows in the trees there, <laughs> which is embarrassing at this point but you know when you go through the first time it's it's 
Uh, well, you, 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 like it's such uh, an, it's such a, a change from most normal action games with the with the way that the controls work and the you know the dedicated animations so that you can't really cancel out of. So like if you get, treat it like I'm gonna go play a Assassin's Creed and I'm gonna spam yeah. that attack button, you'll you'll fail instantly. Which even like if you do that now, having a lot of experience with the games, like that will still happen to you, which I think is pretty impressive. Well, it's great, and it, it's it's sort of it speaks to the dedication of the controls and to the uh, the um, the completeness of the control scheme. You know, it's it's you can be as competent as you want with the games; you still get your ass handed to you if you're not careful, and that's that's great. Uh, and, and I had I had played a uh, lot of video games before. Uh, not that I'm f- fantastic at them, but you know, I've I've been I've known a lot of different control schemes, but there's still something different about the feel of the games and, and that took some time getting used to, you know, uh, I have coming from games like oblivion and Skyrim or even Morrowind before it and, and things, you know, there's, there's, um, you sort of just hammer the button. Yeah. There are some tactics and, and you have to sort of be careful what you do and all that, but, but there's still a one tap, one swing. Uh, that's not really the case in, uh, in, uh, dark souls. So, so it was, uh, and it was this, yeah, no, so as, you're, as you're saying, there's a feel to the game that, that takes some getting used to. And I've also actually thought a bit about what, how it would be going into the games not knowing they're difficult or not knowing their reputation for difficulty. Because uh, I know that that informed a lot of my early play of the game. Uh, I probably would have been really frustrated if I hadn't known that I was going to die a lot. Mm-hmm. Because you, you see death as failure. That's sort of encoded in in a lot of other games. You know, when you die, that that's your fail state. That's how you you know you haven't managed what you're supposed to do. So having sort of dying within the first few minutes and and dying again and again and again in the early areas, even though I actually found Forest of the Fallen Giants pretty quickly, um, just sort of wandering in there and, and dying again and again and again would have been a lot more frustrating, I think, if I didn't have this anticipation of the game being difficult uh, because I sort of saw what I was doing in that context. I saw uh, the gameplay and I saw the, the death. As, I pretty quickly came to the point where death was just a learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's fascinating to me that you came into the games expecting that because most people even if they've heard it's very, very difficult, most people, when they start the games, they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was I was going to be dying all the time. Uh, most people have a kind of a adjustment period that they have to go through to, to you know, figure that out and to internalize it. But you coming into the game like that, I mean, that had to be like, you, I mean, like you're saying, like you weren't frustrated with it. So that had to be like a, almost make it fun to start playing Dark Souls for the first time. You know, I, I think so. Uh, I think that, that sort of... Um I, I, I know it. I know it informed my early play, at least, and I know it informed my, how I went into the game. And I, I started having fun pretty early. Uh, I liked the aesthetics, and I liked sort of walking out onto Majula was just fantastic. Uh, the first time that was, uh, uh, have, even having never played the games, you know, I, I hear other guests and and people on other other podcasts talking about Majula as a fantastic place and. Medulla contrasting with Firelix Shrine and all this, but I uh, coming in there with no conception of anything else was also was fantastic. And of course, then you die to the pigs. 
<laughs> of course. Are, uh, of course, you die to the base. And then you go, oh, right, I'll have to try that and try that again. And then you realize you don't really damage them and you die again. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that corner. Uh, I'll go somewhere else. No, but um, uh, and like like a lot of other people I hear with, with uh, sort of the starting areas and, and Dark Souls, you, you come to a point where the games sort of click for you and when, where, where sort of things fall into place. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I sort of banged my head around and, and, and spent a lot of time in the Forest of the Fallen Giants and uh, I was awed by the, the last giant as a boss. I thought that was so weird and fantastic looking and I thought it was a, a great fight to sort of try and, and, and learn the, quickly realize that okay there's a lot of patterns here there's a lot of, of uh, there's a repetition happening without being necessarily too predictable and and uh, I, I think for me at least the uh, Dark Souls 2 is pretty good at telegraphing that the enemies follow certain patterns that there are they will do predictable things, uh, but, but where it really clicked was actually in the uh, the what is it, the old the Dragon Rite right, in Hyde Tower of Flame or Heidi or however you want to pronounce sure. that. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard <laughs> I go both ways on that one. Like I just yeah. <laughs> Heidi's or Hides, however you want to go. <laughs> H Tower of Flame. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, it was, and it was uh, uh, just to sort of bring the wife into it again. It was actually thanks to her that uh, a few things really clicked with with the Souls games uh, because I was uh, banging my head against this dragon rider. I could not sort of figure out how to get out of the way of his weapons and move around them and and things like that. And uh, she was sort of sitting there, and she looked up and wait, what's it? You saw me dying and saw me dying and saw me dying. And then she said, but when he, when he's attacking sort of like that, you have to try to dodge into his swing and not away from it. And I sort of, what, what are you talking about? No, try that. Why not? And she had sort of seen a pattern of how we move. That was a, a pretty, I'll talk to her, to, to her about it later. And she sort of, drew a bit on her instincts because she's been an athlete and she's been sort of uh, pretty high up in the volleyball leagues in, in Norway. And and she was sort of and played a lot of team sports that I have no idea how she finds entertaining, but she does. Uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm, I'm sure she feels the same way about Dark Souls, right? <laughs> pretty much. She can, she can see the appeal and, and, and she has played some, or she does play some games occasionally, but it's sort of like, eh, no. <laughs> uh, but she said that she sort of just, uh, her instinct were sort of how do you move around a person and how do you react to another person's movement? And, uh, uh, she sort of just reacted to, okay, if I need to get past a person on either on the football field or soccer field, as it were, or, or uh, uh, on a, in, in a different, or handball, handball fields or something like that, you move like this and you go around them on that way. And, and, and that works. And it was sort of, yeah, you, you dodge sort of into the halberd swing, not, uh, not away from it. And suddenly something clicked that the, there are actually a really, really large quanti- uh, percentage of the enemies, especially in Dark Souls 2, that move or move naturally according to to how a person moves. Uh, of course, there are exceptions, but a lot of the that's one of the advantages to the 
uh, dudes in armor is that they are there is a predictability and they are, they they sort of telegraph their attacks as as humans do and and sort of a few things clicked really clicked with the games there and and that sort of carried me for quite some time that that there was and it was a revelation and it, it really sort of sucked me into to the mechanics of it and uh, and to the the feel of the play sort of so to speak gotcha yeah and that was that was sort of the, the start of, of the soul saga as it were how long um like it took you a little bit to grasp the mechanics were you yeah. picking up what the what this what the game was doing story-wise like were you reading item descriptions like have, did you go in with that knowledge or did it just come and come naturally no uh that that i i did not know about uh, I, I knew there were item descriptions and i i read a few of them uh, because i'm sort of the, i uh, i'm sort of the weirdo that reads the codexes in, in a few games and, and i like uh i like a lot i like lore and i like world building more than almost anything uh but i didn't really i didn't really click that that was what the item descriptions were it was i sort of took it more like oh this is nice fluff text about sort of the items uh that's that's not that's not something um it is it is unique that they use that to tell the story of the world but it's it's not unique to sort of have more or less fanciful descriptions of what the items are i mean even to a certain extent games like the elder scrolls series or the Baldur's gate series or, or, or other role-playing games have had descriptions of the different weapons in, in different capacities uh so i was reading them but i didn't really understand that that's this was where the sort of the lore of the world was this was where the um the the, the proper stories so to speak were uh i did have an idea of that or I, we are doing more than sort of just um, going through levels, uh, the, <clears throat> there is a proper story here, and there is a, a, a grander context to what we're doing. But uh, um, uh, it wasn't—I didn't really understand the or, or sort of connect that that a lot of this was told through the item descriptions. So that was a revelation when I started uh, when I realizing that when I realized that that was what they were doing through some podcasts and and other places. So that was uh, that was that was great. So when you when you first started the game and you kind of started getting into it and you realized that there was something more to it, is that when you started searching out for podcasts or YouTube videos or what have you? Like, is that when you started going through the community to see what was out there? Yeah, pretty much. I uh, um, um, it, it started. I started sort of looking at wikis and, and things like that, mostly for the mechanics. For okay, now I'm, I'm I feel like I'm I need to need to understand a bit more of what all these different what all these different uh, gems are doing and how the bloody hell can I actually use them? <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, because that's not necessarily intuitive and, and, and you find out sort of, oh, you need the coal that's here. And okay, that's, uh, and I started looking up these things and, and, uh, I'd already been listening to a lot of podcasts. So I, I figured, hey, okay, let's, let's see if I can find a podcast where at least someone's talking about this because, you know, it's, it's, I know there are discussions. Uh, I know this is a game in in sort of the mix, and I know there's a there's a certain popularity to the games. But what can I find out? And I actually didn't find Bonfire Side Chat first. I found uh, two Australian guys called the Dark Souls Two or something. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they they basically did more or less the same that Gary and Cole are doing, but they did it. They started with Dark Souls Two, if, if I'm not mistaken, and they they were, weren't as focused on lore. It was it was a bit more of a ooh, here's this thing, and and if you go behind this this area, there's a, there's another thing here, and, and sort of. But did more or less the same things for for um, uh, for Dark Souls Two. Uh, and so it started there and sort of branched out a bit after that. Do you know what, um, um, this, this is totally off topic, but, uh, yeah. do you know what happened to those dudes? Cause I haven't, I haven't listened to a lot of that podcast, but I listened to it once or twice because it's yeah. a dark souls podcast and I was obsessed, but they, they haven't released anything for like two years. I'm wondering you know, like if they just disappeared or if it was something they just got tired of doing or. No, as, uh, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, I think the last they did was alias keep if I'm not, totally mistaken mm-hmm. and uh as i understood it one of the guys was in an accident and he sort of got uh basically his face fucked up in an accident oh no he went, oh. went through some heavy surgery and and it, it was a pretty rough spot and i think the sort of the year hiatus uh man, meant that uh the other guy sort of had to go on to other things and they didn't really pick it up after after that i i think they had one episode that was released sort of a long time after after a, a, a long hiatus and and uh, uh, they had an idea that they wanted to start up again but but it um, I think it sort of just lost a lot of the momentum you know if, yeah, if you yeah. have that long of a hiatus and that long of a, of a break it, it sort of breaks up a few things at least I may be mistaken but I'm, I'm 99% sure that's, that's roughly what happened cool I was just curious I didn't know if you knew hmm. offhand so yeah thank you uh, it's been on, oh. it's, it's been in the back of my mind to try to reach out to those dudes and um, see if they wanted yeah. to come on the show at some point because you know I'm trying to collect all of the Dark Souls podcasters out there. So. <laughs> you got to catch them all. Exactly. Exactly. You know, well, I'm, I'm um, as I said, I think that's that's sort of what was. I also was curious because some of the the podcasts just stopped coming, mm-hmm. and and um, actually that was sort of what prompted me to to seek out other podcasts because it was a. Um, I even think they mentioned Bonfire Side Chat a few times, and I said, oh, all right, I need to go around searching again. So you go go back to Google, and you put type in Dark Souls Podcast, and lo and behold, Gary and Cole are pretty much at the top. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was uh, uh, around the summer of 2014. I, I sort of started, start, I was um, as I was waiting for the DLCs, uh, and uh, I, I figured, oh, okay, I can, I can listen to a lot of this, and, and I actually got to sort of play through the Sunken King DLC, and then listen to Bonfire Side Chat uh, about the, the that DLC episode, and then sort of wait for the next one, and and do the same. And that was that was pretty great. That was a um, that was a different experience than sort of listening to. 20 episodes in a row because I'd played it. Because uh, <laughs> you'd played all of them before. Yeah, because I was I was through the game, and, and so well, I listened to all of it. That's, that's fine. Uh, I'm not not obsessive, not compulsive at all. I listened to uh, <laughs> all of it sort of in a row. That's fine. Now, now so that, that sort of brought the podcast, I think. And I, and I found Twin, Twin Humanities as a... That's not how you say that word. Twin Humanities as, a, as an extension of, of that. And... Um, uh, and and sort of started branching out into your Vatividya and your Lore Hunter and your other uh, other Dark Souls uh, create content creators, as it were. 
how long did it take you for that first run of Dark Souls 2? Like after you finished the DLC and everything, like how many hours did it take you to finish that the first time? <clears throat> oh, if we're talking the DLCs too, uh, the, uh, the DLCs in this, I think we're at uh, 220 hours uh, for on that first character. I think I spent at least 120 sort of getting through the game. Um, that's uh, well. That might be a slight exaggeration. I think I think I'm around 200 hours on the, the that just that character. Oh, just on that. Just because, person. yeah, just in that character. Uh, and I've played through Dark Souls two after I got the Scholar edition. I played through Dark Souls two at least three or four times. Uh, not not sort of uh, super complete runs, but I have a character that's I think and and, and closing in on the 200 mark. But that's because I, I took her up to sort of a new game plus 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 new game plus six or something. Yeah, something just crazy. To, just like to that. see, it. yeah, something insane. <laughs> a few a few of those runs are sort of just okay. How can I get through this fast as, as fast as possible? Because are you the I, kind I of started, guy that goes through like multiple times with different characters? Like, have you run oh, that game yeah. several times? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that, <laughs> I like that answer. Of, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've done that in other games too, but usually when I do a, a second or third run through, uh, it will it will be in, in, in some sort of RPG where, you know, uh, you, you run through one time as a good guy and you run through another run as, a, as an evil guy and you, you sort of try to balance a lot of that. And, and, uh, Dark Souls doesn't really give you that, but uh, to me, especially Dark Souls 2, has a, a build variety that is absolutely amazing. Uh, as I started with Dark Souls 2, sort of those mechanics really feel natural and good in my hands. So what really astonished me is, I, uh, I, I after having run through the first game, run through the first one, or run through Dark Souls 2, uh, my first run, as a... Uh, uh, as a giant club and shield guy, uh, just a, the biggest uh, biggest weapons I could find, mm-hmm. which I, I realize is sort of the standard build. Uh, I realized later it was the standard build, just the big fuck off strength weapon and, and a giant shield and switching between a great club and a great sword and a mastodon halberd and, and all that. <laughs> uh, uh, which was fantastic. I really liked that halberd. Uh, I don't know why. I really liked that halberd. But uh, I, I did a respect for magic. Sort of just okay. I'm 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 gonna. I want to try something new going into the DLCs, and I respect for magic. And it was, it was a completely different game. I had to almost relearn because it was so different. Because I was used to going up up into people's faces and sort of smacking them. Uh, and and just uh, the, the game turned into a different game when I respect for magic. And, and it, it, it felt different and it played different and, and I had to consider areas I, I could I ran through areas by heart before and I had to reconsider how to go through them going through the Iron Keep as the spellcaster was a completely different experience uh, than going through sort of with um, uh, I think I had gotten the great sword or something at that point and sort of running through with the guts build as at, at that point was a completely different experience uh, and and as that I sort of branched out and tried different builds and, and to me at least the game feels markedly different running through as a strength build or a dex build or a power stance curved swords or magic or hex or you know the the, the, um, the build variety really does feel like different games you run through in a different manner you uh, you look at the situations in a different way. You have to plan and plot out and 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 approach different encounters in different ways, which I find endlessly fascinating. 
Yeah, it's really interesting the way that the the different builds will <clears throat> dictate how you play through those games. Like, I remember doing a um, like a dual claw run in Dark Souls One and just realizing, oh my god, all these fist weapons are just horrible. <laughs> like, I <laughs> I have to be close up. I don't have a shield, and oh geez, I'm not doing a lot of damage either. Like, these suck. <laughs> how many? Yeah. Uh, like, after you finished Dark Souls Two and you kind of ran mm-hmm. through it a couple of times, did you? then go back to the original game or did you go forward yeah. to Bloodborne or what, what What was the next step in your journey? No, the next step was Dark Souls. Uh, I, 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 I first, uh, first I actually picked up a copy of Dark Souls, a used copy of Dark Souls for my Xbox 360. Uh, but I ended up getting the prepared to die edition for steam. And, uh, I'm, I am primarily a PC gamer. So I, uh, I got the, the original for for Steam and and ran through it and uh, that was it was a, it was it was a great experience and, and Dark Souls One is a fantastic game but uh, I also had a lot of sort of the the, the fantastic things that th- that people talk about with Dark Souls One a lot of that was ruined from for me because I already. Because you know, you you people talk about them. You know, the interconnected world and the the, the revelation of of the um, or, or even even things like the revelation of Dark and Orlando and Ornstein and Smo and all these things that sort of are landmark fantastical fights or, or fantastical encounters for people. I, I I knew most of them already. I could mm-hmm. see them coming. Uh, so it was a, it was a different experience. Uh, I mean, I, I still died a lot in the skeleton graveyard first again as you do uh and and uh, i sort of um uh, i went the wrong way there for for quite a while before i i actually found the aqueduct but uh i went back and it's 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 a great game but it, it didn't uh it didn't sort of fascinate me to that extent that 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 uh, dark souls 2 did uh, and it, it probably just is because there were a few things that were known, and there were a few things that were uh, that that I was prepared for. So I didn't really have the fresh perspective of the mm-hmm. game that that a lot of other people have when when they come into uh, as the first game. Uh, and I was a bit sloppier with, or a bit less, um, well, less, uh, or I was. Uh, it was a bit easier for me to sort of go in and and look things up when I got stuck. Uh, and and that sort of meant meant that a, a few of the things were sort of all right. Then I'll go here and uh, I'll find. Uh, oh, if I if I do a, a suicide run into the graveyard, I'll get the Zweihander. And uh, uh, would you would you believe that's the weapon I used for most of the game when I when I went through the first time? Uh, a lightning Zweihander is a fantastic thing through that first game. Oh man, absolutely. That's and that's such a fun weapon to use. Like it's so satisfying. Yeah. With that big thonk noise that every, every time it hits the <laughs> ground. Like it's just. And you have such a wide arc of attack with it, and um, and also like don't don't forget this, it looks badass. <laughs> like, oh, it looks really badass. Carrying a giant hunk of metal around that's kind of sharp on both ends, and just whacking around some undead people, or, or, it's just really fun. <laughs> that's just a great thing to do. <laughs> it's a great time. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it is fantastic, and it it's great. And and uh, I, I have one, one, I have gone back and I've done a second run through of, of Dark Souls one. Uh, as a, as a spellcaster, sort of as a wizard, just or sort of made magic build, just sort of to, to test out that too. But uh, uh, no, I, I, it's it's probably actually the game that I have. Uh, well, that that and, and, and Dark Souls Three, I sort of have uh, about equal time in. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but but it, it was it was uh, 
No, it was great. I, I mean, as I said, it, a few things were didn't really stand out or, or a few things of the game didn't really stick with me the same way because because I, I had found out a few things and because I knew a few things about how the game worked and how th- sort of the mechanics worked. Uh, I mean, I hear people getting stuck on the gargoyle fight, for instance, in Dark Souls 1, and I, di- I didn't really do that. I don't think the gargoyles in Dark Souls 1 have killed me once. Uh, <laughs> I did spend two evenings on the gargoyles in Dark Souls 2. They're a little harder in Dark Souls 2. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're, you, they're, you have more of them at one time you have to deal with. <laughs> They're an absolute bastard, <laughs> especially when you have when when you don't really think about when you haven't really come to the point where you use pion resins or you yeah. you sort of think about the the weaknesses of the monsters and things like that. You know, it's it's an absolute bitch. My uh, first experience with the gargoyles in Dark Souls One was really funny because um, I got so scared on my first run uh, when I got to the church of the channeler at the top. Like there was some weird dude like shooting yeah. magic at me. So. Uh, I ended up just like thinking to myself, okay, I probably shouldn't be here yet. That seems like a later game thing. So went through, killed the Capra demon, went through all of blight town, <laughs> killed Quaylog, rang the second bell. Wow. Yeah. Came back up and then uh, was like, okay, now I'm going to go <laughs> do the gargoyles. And like literally like five hits it took. <laughs> and, I was, and I remember posting in the something awful thread at the time of like, these guys are really easy. What did I like? Why are you guys complaining about them? And then going back on my second run and trying to fight them when you're supposed to fight them. Like, Oh, okay. This is why you guys were having problems. <laughs> Cause you weren't, you didn't have like a level 10 weapon <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, this is why. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you, uh, you kind of mentioned that you ended up like in Dark Souls 2 a little bit more, uh, like, is that from a mechanic standpoint or from a lore story standpoint, or is it kind of a combination of the two? Uh, at the end of the day, it's probably a combination of the two. Um, I, uh, it's a bit of a sort of the first game syndrome. I, I acknowledge that, uh, but I, I really, uh, I really enjoy a few of the themes and, and I really enjoy the world building in the second one. I really think sort of a few of the, the players that are in play in that world is, is great. I think a few of the atmospheres in a lot of the areas are fantastic and, Again, because I sort of started with that, that I have as many hours as I have in it, it, it sort of, it sort of, and the build variety and all this, it sort of feels fantastic. So to me, it's a combination of the two. Uh, okay. I, I realized that probably Dark Souls 1 is a, uh, is a more complete and self-contained game. Uh, it sort of is its own thing and, and viewed as its own thing. Is is potentially a, a technically better game, but um, Dark Souls Two sort of is the the one that grabbed me, and and where where a lot of the connections with the, with the world sort of started, and um, and I I, re- I have realized through these games that how a game feels uh, and and sort of how a game flows is incredibly important to me, and I think that uh, the Souls games and to, to me, particularly Dark, Dark Souls Two, and and to a lot of, to a certain extent, Bloodborne feels and flows fantastically. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah, so no, it's, I mean, I, I do love the lore and I do love the, the stories that are present, but uh, uh, I mean, stories like well. The NPCs are really non-existent progressively, with the exception of Lucatio uh, uh, in in Dark Souls Two, and sure. uh, yeah. 
uh, and uh, especially sort of the Onion Bros. And, and the first one is is a great story. And even even with uh, having heard most of it beforehand, discovering Solaire and the tunnels with the bug is also sort of a really it's a really gut punch moment. Yeah, seeing um, that dude that you know has been with you this entire journey, yeah. like from almost the very beginning of the game, like f- from the very beginning of the real game, I would say, uh, like yeah. seeing that dude just go crazy and attacking you and like crying about it at the same time, <laughs> like the fact that the NPCs when they go crazy and attack you, kind of talk talk to you about it is something that I think yeah. is just brilliant. Like just saying insane things and it's just it's so it's so great. Yeah, I, no, it's it's fantastic. I don't think that um, any of the games have really had as strong of NPCs as Dark Souls One has. Uh, like, no, it's just there's something about the characters in that game that um, I mean, Dark Souls Two and and Three and Bloodborne. Like, there's some there's you know there's some there's some people there. Like there's some characters there yeah. that are interesting. But man, Dark Souls One with Siegfried and Solaire and Oscar and like this whole cast. Like, I mean, look at Tarkus that has yeah. no personality whatsoever that has become such a huge and prominent like member, not member, but, uh, you know, character in the fan, in, in the, in the fandom. Like, it's just amazing to me that that happens. <clears throat> yeah, no, it, but, but it is. And, and as you say, it, it is, uh, it is sort of, um, part of the, part of the, you see the power of the games is that, they can be analyzed as much as they can and, and, and they have thought a lot of things through and, and you sort of, you, they are, they find the strike, this, this perfect balance of, of just enough story that you want to fill in the gaps yourself. That's sort of what, 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 what I in many ways think, think is, uh, is sort of the, one of the shortfalls in three is that there's not really an interest in, in trying to fill in the gaps and, and trying to sort of, you don't really want to know more about a lot of the characters because they're not as engaging. And and, mm-hmm. and definitely, even though Dark Souls 2 is, is probably one of my favorite, probably my favorite of the games, is the, the just, and I mean, even, even things like Laurentius in the first game is uh, the Pyromancer trainer, just that the realization that it's your fault that he goes hollow, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that you're sending him down to the swamp to die uh, because he can't handle it. That is that is, and and of course, you know, Siegfried and and, and uh, which is just a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. But they actually managed to that they actually managed to have you impact the lives of these people. That's, I think that's sort of what what really makes makes at least me connect with a few of the with the stories of the NPCs is that you actually have a an impact just doing what you're doing what you naturally do in games uh you you have an impact on their lives and you you sort of make everything worse for them basically um i mean with Laurentius, you you Every other video game has taught you that if you know something, if you find something out that the NPC is curious about, you tell them. Yep. Because that's how you get the prizes. That's how you get XP and the shinies. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that's not a good idea with Laurentius. That's that's that will only bring him bad things. Like as like has often been said, uh, the best thing you can do for the characters across all of the Souls games is to ignore them completely. Because even yeah. opening your mouth to one of them, it means usually it's going to start a chain of events that's going to end with either them going insane, or dying, or both. <laughs> like there's no yes. there's no happy endings <laughs> in Souls games. Yep. Did you go back to demons after you finished with one, or did you go? Did you kind of wait for dark for Bloodborne to come out? 
No, I, I ended up waiting for Bloodborne. Uh, I would like to go back for Demons, but I don't have a PlayStation Three, and uh, uh, I haven't, I haven't the time to sort of invest in a PlayStation Three just to buy Demon Souls. Sure. Uh, if if they ever release uh, uh, one for PlayStation Four, uh, I will buy it and I will play it because you, you, know, you and everybody else on the internet will. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. probably the most requested thing. I don't, it's not even on uh, PlayStation Now, which just boggles my mind that they can't even get it yeah. on their own streaming service. Like it's just ridiculous. But yeah, a remaster for Demon Souls. I'm so excited for. It. Did you, did you buy the PS4 just for Bloodborne, or um, were you kind of just thinking like? This is the next big console, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it up regardless. And Bloodborne just sort of sealed the deal for you. It was it was Bloodborne sealed the deal. I mean, we were we were talking about we were going to get the next generation next gen console, and uh, at the time it wasn't uh, it wasn't actually until almost a year after uh, uh, Bloodborne's release or a year after release we got it sort of the uh, Christmas. Uh, about a year after the PlayStation's release, we we bought it, but we had talked about getting the next generation of console. And and at the time, as as now, the PlayStation Four is not only the Bloodborne machine, but it is the the one who sort of reigns supreme. I think uh, there aren't that many advantages with the Xbox One, though they have improved a lot. But you know, at the time, there was a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of things that the Xbox One were doing that were a bit iffy, and uh, with uh, the online connectivity and sort of the, the inclusion, and then the not inclusion of the Connect, and uh, were the uh, there, there was a lot of weird things that they were doing regressively. Uh, so, so I figured uh, I want the next one, and, and PlayStation uh, is the one where Bloodborne is. So that sort of tipped the scales. Okay, what do you think about Bloodborne? Oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> this uh, podcast yeah. is basically a bloodborne love fest so i, I expect it yes. no less <laughs> i know i know and i am very much uh, and i'm very prepared uh for the bloodborne love no uh, not the hentai kind but the bloodborne love uh, uh i i even have um i've read lots of call of, uh, lot of lovecraft stories and uh play the lovecraft uh, or call of cthulhu role-playing game and uh, I have uh, uh, really, really like Lovecraft's world, if not all his stories, because it's mostly his ideas that are great, not really his language. Uh, but uh, I have read a lot of Lovecraft stories, so sort of um, to to uh, to, and I I love I, I love me some gothic horror. I had a. Uh, uh, I uh, I was uh, in in the group who had sort of the the long uh, the long hair and. Uh, just shy of uh, of, uh, of the black yeah, nail polish and makeup. I didn't go that far, but it was just shy. Of it. Uh, so I was a bit of a goth kid, and um, uh, and uh, before all these emo goth kids, you know, back in my day, I mean, I'm I'm almost as old as you. So back in my day, it was proper goth, not this uh, pansy emo stuff that we have today. Uh, no, but uh, I I really love. Lovecraft and uh, the cosmic, cosmic horror thing was was pretty great. Uh, I find pretty fascinating and fantastic. So Bloodborne, uh, pretty nicely slotted into that. Not just for the the play of it, which is fantastic, but also the story and the atmosphere and just the world that's created. And that game is is uh, is absolutely stunning. 
Did you know about the Lovecraftian twist that occurs in the middle going into the game? I, I, I didn't know when it occurred and I didn't know that there was going to be a twist, but I did know that the game, regrettably, I knew that the game had sort of Lovecraftian underpinnings uh, because uh, I, I ended up not playing the game for, as I said, we didn't get a, a PlayStation for almost a year after release. Okay. So, so I didn't really play uh, Bloodborne until I think it was last year or something. Uh, I'm trying to remember when Bloodborne came out, but uh, March or April of 2014, I believe it was right after the. Yeah, maybe it was 2015 because it was shortly after it released. Now I don't remember if it came out and if the PlayStation 4 came out in 2013 or 2014. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I, I uh, anyway, I played it. Uh, uh, I played it uh, about a year after release, so it was. Uh, yeah, it was released March of 2015. So I I, uh, I didn't play it until uh, until uh, January February of 2016. Okay. So so you know it's, it was difficult to avoid uh, spoilers for that long uh, while still listening to uh, to Dark Souls content and still sort of trying to be in contact with the Dark Souls uh, community or, or, or listening to Dark Souls podcasts and stuff, you know, it was, it was difficult without, and not hearing these things. I, I had to avoid sort of a, uh, quite a bit of bonfire, bonfire side chat, regrettably, but, you know, it sort of seeps in. Uh, sure. and, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I would have loved to have the reveal after Ron. Uh, that would have been fantastic. But... Uh, I had already been snatched by uh, by the uh, by the snatchers, and uh, I'd been taken by the uh, amygdala before before Rome anyway. So I, I sort of knew that things were weird, and I sort of realized that okay, things are are, are really changing. Uh, the first time I, I realized that. Uh, uh, I didn't really realize what was going on, uh, but I quickly found out that it was due to insight. But realizing that things in the world changed when I went back to to areas I've been to before, seeing sort of the I don't remember what they're called, but the guys with the lanterns who suddenly sprout a lot of eyes across the lantern and things, just just the idea of that. There are things in this world around us that we do not see, and and delving into sort of the madness of it um, reveals truths to us is is a fascinating idea. Uh, it's a fascinating concept to explore. Sort of, and and seeing that Bloodborne did that and wanted to to uh, and had a lot of it too was was actually pretty great. And um, I think it's shame that they didn't do more with insight that you come to a point uh, later in the later points of the game where you know you actually want to get rid of it rid of it because otherwise you die to frenzy all the bloody time uh, yeah I wish I wish that they had leaned into it I've talked about this a little bit on this podcast but mm-hmm. like Bloodborne having the built-in concept of these dreams and nightmare landscapes that you you can move through and like things being yeah. separated from reality um, I wish that the insight had been more of a mechanic and leaned into that you know so and like at the end have you played the Dark Souls 3 DLC before I say this I just want to check yeah. before okay yes so at the uh, at the end of or at the beginning of the most recent DLC the, the Ring City you see like everything kind of converging that to me like I want to yeah. see like crazy shit like that in Bloodborne right oh. like I want oh, I want yeah. I want all of a sudden for me to be like walking on, like I want everything to shift 90 degrees, right? Like the, the HUD stays the same, but all of a sudden I'm walking sideways and having to figure out how to work around that because I have too much insight for a given area. 
Oh, right. right. Like I want, I want weird shit to start. I want uh, eternal darknesses. uh, I don't remember what they called them, but uh, the the insanity effects, right? Like I want that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's that's, uh, I I haven't played Eternal Darkness, but I have played uh, Dark Corners of the Earth, uh, which is a Call of Cthulhu game uh, from 2004 or something. Uh, they do some of the same things, whereas they also have sort of this insanity meter where if you are too afraid or too insane, you know, so things start happening. You, you start, sort of see things and hear things around you that you don't know if, are, if, if they're real or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is, oh, yeah, I would have loved them doing more with that because that is, that is, a, uh, that is great. <laughs> I, would really have, I would really have sort of tipped this into a whole new new sort of strata of the game. I, al- I already think it's one of the one of the better games I have played uh, just sort of flat out um, but that would have really pushed it up a notch that would be fantastic how did you adjust to the uh, the, the lack of a shield and, and the kind of the changes to the combat system coming from have a big ass weapon and a big ass shield <laughs> from Dark Souls 2 uh, <laughs> and then obviously the Zweihander from Dark Souls 1 like coming into Bloodborne yeah. where the weapons are typically faster and you know everything's kind of sped up a little bit did you were you into that did it take a while to change uh, that that took a while uh, I, I actually I think I I think I bounced more from Bloodborne than than the other games actually because partly because of that I sort of went to, went into it I picked the Hunter's Axe and, and I, I think I tried to play it a bit more tanky and a bit more slower than usual because I, I, I have a tendency to sort of go for, for a bit of a down the slower calculating I'll stay back here and I'll analyze the situation and see what I can do. And then sort of, then sort of find out how to do it. And, and the uh, charging in and swinging wildly as it were, didn't really come naturally. So, so I, I spent some time before I, um, uh, before I've really clicked with it, uh, so so it was it was a, definitely an adjustment. Did you uh, eventually you, you got it right? Like you, so you, you oh, played yeah. through all? Did you play through all the DLC and everything? Yes. Nice. Uh, it's, it's, oh, that is <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I, it, this is the the love fest, as it were. And mm-hmm. actually, yeah, no, I I, uh, I I didn't really play Bloodborne in in sort of one stretch. It, it turned into something I played for for a few for a week or so, and I went away and played other things, and I came back to it, and I played another week or two, and and I went away and came back. So it was a it was a bit of a stop and start feel with it. But but um, no, I, I played through the old hunters, and I I played through. I actually have not beaten uh, the what is it, Moon Presence or something because I am really because I want to play more Bloodborne and if I beat the Moon Presence I go into New Game Plus and that is a bastard <laughs> yeah uh, but I'm I'm looking to sort of uh, beat the Moon Presence and start a uh, New Game Fresh actually for the I figured I'd, I'd try to do that for the Bonfire Side uh, chat victory lap uh, season yeah I'm going to try to, I'm gonna try to do the same thing yeah yeah uh, no but, uh, but but yeah so so I, I figured I figured there's a few uh, few people in Slack who, who are going to do that, so so uh, I won't be alone. This is good. I'm definitely going to go through Dark Souls one uh, when they when they do yeah. that rerun because I just it's been so long since I played like a whole single playthrough of Dark Souls one that I, I get excited even thinking about it. Like I'm like, ooh, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, and I think for me also, I think going through Dark Souls One would be would be great uh, with sort of the perspective of the series and and seeing the the genesis as it were for a lot of the ideas or for at least a lot of the lore would be would be a good thing would be great. Uh, and it's a shorter game, you know. Uh, I uh, I have trouble seeing how I will be able to sort of fit in a complete play playthrough of Dark Souls Two. I too, but that's at, if you want to play through all the areas, that's uh, I don't know 60, 70 hours at least. <laughs> it's difficult, <laughs> difficult playing through that entire game, not spending all the time in the world. Well, I uh, I hate to um, I, like I don't want to skip over Bloodborne too much, but we're kind of coming yeah. up against time, and I, I want to talk a little bit about Dark Souls Three. Uh, what, what was your experience with Dark Souls Three like? Uh, I was leading up to Dark Souls Three. I was uh, on the hype train. Uh, you know, I, all the other. Uh, I, I I was sort of in in advance of it and up to Bloodborne. But uh, going into to Dark Souls Three, I was uh, I was sort of fully engaged. Uh, had the the day of the week set off. I had uh, uh, and I, and I had informed my wife that uh, I will take responsibility for for uh, for the dog. Uh, beyond that, uh, you're on your own for a week, more or less. And she said, "Fine, I know." Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, I was uh, really, really gearing up to it. Uh, uh, I, I still don't think I have a clear handle on on what I feel about Dark Souls Three because it's it's a good game in a lot of ways, and and uh, there are some moments in it that are that are fantastic. Uh, there are a few moments in, in it that are that are, are laugh out loud. I mean, I, I actually got the uh, patches as uh, Siegward uh, luring me down. Uh, oh man, <laughs> with the traps in the cathedral. I got yes. that on my first playthrough, and I was just like, "Oh, this is this is great. This would have been fantastic." You know, playing on my expectations as a, uh, as someone who has gone through the game before. I have so many positive associations with the onion armor and, and playing on that to sort of use patches in that way would have been fantastic. That, one, that was great. Uh, but it doesn't, it, there's something that's sort of missing. There's a, a, a bit of an, probably a bit of an elusive element, but there's something in the, the way the world doesn't really hang together that, that is missing. And and I mean, sure, there are, are disparate elements to to the worlds and to the levels in Dark Souls Two. Things don't really connect in any meaningful way. Uh, uh, but the game was it, it feels great. The play and the the uh, the mechanics of the game are are really good. I I at least to start with, I really enjoyed you know the the, the fact that you can have a heavy infusion or a sharp infusion or. You can sort of take any weapon and almost make it into anything, but that also sort of means that there are less that there's a less build variety. You know, there there really there's less to a different feel between the different ways you can play, and and that's a weakness to me. That 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 means that that's the Dark Souls Three is the first game that I sort of went to the end of it and didn't immediately want to play through again. It was good. It was great. It's it's a great great game. But it doesn't really sort of demand a new playthrough. It, it isn't like Bloodborne, where I don't want to finish because I know that if I go up against the Moon Present, and at this point, because I've done some chalices, uh, I will sort of probably uh, 
dismantle the, the moon presence without really much problem. Uh, but but I don't want to finish it because then I'll be done with, done with it. I'll be done with that run through. And, and I don't have that in Dark Souls 3. I don't have... Uh, it, it doesn't demand a new playthrough immediately. And that's a shame. That's, that's a real shame because uh, they have some really great ideas and there's some really memorable moments, but there's not this sort of complete feeling that I would have loved to have in the, the la- in the third game of the series. So what's your, what's your expectation out of from software nowadays? Like what, what do you want to see them create next? Or, you know, we're right, we're getting pretty close to E3 and it like everybody yeah. is talking about bloodborne too, but um, I'm kind of curious just to get your, you know, as yeah. a fan of dark souls too, like what's, what's your pie in the sky? What's your, what's your dream out of from software right now? No, as it, as it stands now, what I really would have liked, uh, what I really would like, is actually a a Dark Souls two style sequel to Bloodborne. Uh, take the mechanics, take the world, uh, but go somewhere completely different. Do something else. Make something that that sort of builds on the ideas that you have and the, the great things of Bloodborne, and and make it again. Do something. Do something different with it. As you, as we just spoke about, have us walking on suddenly walking on the walls. Have us suddenly sort of playing with the with the effects of insight and and all these things. That would have been fantastic. Uh, I hope they don't do another Dark Souls. Uh, I will, of course, buy it and I will play it and I will probably enjoy it. But I, I actually I hope that the Dark Souls uh, series is sort of that they're done with it at the very least for a while. Uh, because uh, I, I think sort of they're, they're, I have a feeling, it feels like they're running out of ideas. Uh, or, or, they're, or either they're running out of ideas or they feel sort of locked in what they have done. And, and it's starting to come to the point where you can't really make something that is new in that world because there are so many loose threads and there's so many things that sort of should be explained and, and uh, a lot of a lot of new ideas will just be uh, a different coat of paint on an idea they already have done uh, and and I, I would love to see from software do do just something else just go out on into the left field and and sort of make something something different uh, seeing an armored core would be fun I mean, I like mechs. Mechs are mm-hmm. awesome. Mechs uh, are always good. <laughs> mechs are, I mean, <laughs> very few things are not improved by adding mechs. Uh, I don't think Demon Souls and mechs would be a good combination, but, you know, the, uh, arm, uh, it would be fun to see Armored Core. And I, and I think sort of um, uh, bringing, to, for me, bringing their, uh, their, their sort of play mechanics and bringing sort of their... their uh, feel for how to to create uh, um, how to create worlds. Bringing that into other areas of gaming would be awesome. Um, uh, I mean, they have uh, they have uh, so that, that's sort of what I'm hoping for. I, I don't know. I don't know about sci-fi souls. I well, here, sci-fi souls is this week. <clears throat> I think like um, the as of recording Tuesday. Yeah. I think the surge comes out and. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I've watched some footage of that, and it it certainly seems like it's taking a lot of inspiration from the Souls games. But uh, I'm just, I don't know that it has the the world building or anything else. Like I haven't seen really anything about that game that's not the kind of grinding and loot stuff. So, I, which is fine. Yeah. That, that's totally okay. Like I'm a big Diablo fan, so yeah. I get that. I get that that cycle of loot. Uh, 
but man, I don't know. <laughs> like if yeah. I'm going to play through one of those games, like I kind of need something more than that. So yeah, that's that's sort of what I realized with Neo. Uh, I don't know if you played that, but I, I'm I'm about two thirds through Neo, and I, I'm starting to sort of come up against that. That uh, I I like finding new things. You know, new new stuff, and the problem with sort of the 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 loot generation, and the problem with things like Diablo, and and to me, the problem with Neo is that yeah, you find new stuff, but it's just sort of a slightly higher numbers on your old stuff. You know, you know the the the, the you don't find the new sword with a new move set uh, halfway through the game. You have all five weapon types, and you can explore them, and you can add different moves to the same weapons, but but it's it's not really new things and. Uh, the little I've seen of the surge also is sort of doesn't really grab a hold of me in any way. So, and the problem with sci-fi things is I'm a, I really like melee combat or melee or hand to hand or how mm-hmm. you want to pronounce it. I, I I I've always preferred in in almost any game, be it role playing, tabletop, or 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 video games. I almost always prefer. Uh, either magic things or hand to hand, and and I don't really like guns. I'm not really into shooter games at all, really. Uh, so the second you move sort of into either western or sci-fi or contemporary, uh, it's um, I don't know. I, I I'm not that interested in shooter games, so. Uh, it would be a shame if they release something that's primarily a shooter, which, which which would mean that I would have to play something I'm not that interested in. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, I hope they sort of stick with because at the end of the day, what mostly what they do really, really well is the melee combat. So, yeah, agreed. I, I realize I remembered one thing, which is I I would really like to see um, again this this early goth kid coming up. I would really like to see. Uh, if they had done sort of a, um, a modern day Cthulhu, but with sort of weapons, you know, a modern goth punk thing, uh, more, or modern goth horror thing would mm-hmm. have been, would potentially be cool running around a city, but with sort of the magic katana and stuff. It's 14 year old Tron really likes that idea. <laughs> uh, 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 Especially if you can get to, uh you can get black nail polish as a, as a power up, right? Like instead of rings, oh, oh, instead yeah, of different right, color yeah. nail polish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. I did too. I think it's cool. Well, yeah. thank you very much for spending the morning with me. I know it's not morning where you're at art, but uh, th- thank you very much for, um, being on the show, I really appreciate it. Can you tell the internet where you can be found? Yes, uh, you can. Uh, the best place to find me is uh, my Twitter. Go to uh, Trond Bursum, which is basically T-R-O-N-D-B-O-R-S-O-M. Uh, and it is, uh, and I am there, and follow me or at me or talk to me about Dark Souls. Absolutely. Or, or anything. You hear that, listeners? At, at Tron <laughs> about all of the Dark Souls things. Yes. <laughs> we need to expand this community. <laughs> Definitely. Or other video games. I do play other things. Uh, just not as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Dark Souls-itis and all that. Dark Souls-itis. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. Uh, this has been Don't Give Up Skeleton, which you can find at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That website has links to previous episodes as well as all of the social media links you could possibly want. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening and sharing the episodes. It's really 
really, really great to have so many people that are interested in the show. Um, if you have a few minutes, an iTunes review can do a lot for my self-esteem and also letting other people know that the show exists via iTunes. So if you have a few minutes, maybe leave me one of those. But more importantly, remember, don't give up, Skeleton. And we're good. All right. Brilliant. Thank you very much. This was this was great. This was perfect. I'm, I'm just no astounded that our audio like never messed up. And normally, when I do international guests, like the audio usually drops out at least once. So this is great. Uh, this is great. This will be a really easy edit. <laughs> <laughs>